Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Fantastic. Uh, it's a real blessing to be with you. You can take your seats, Aldinga. Great to uh, welcome you as well and be with you. Um, what a blessed people you are to live in this part of the world. Yeah. I, I, I have got to love Adelaide, and uh, this is just is one of Australia's best kept secrets. Yeah. Absolutely. Before I get going, a few days ago, uh, I got into my car. Brisbane has been having stinking hot weather, like that muggy, hot, really, as, as of course it does. Um, I hadn't used my car all day. It hadn't been used since the day before. It's in the garage. The garage is, um, you know, concrete. It's hot box. And I got into my car, and this has never happened before, and it hasn't happened since, it was like the air conditioner had been left running. It had not. It was cold. It was like refrigerated when I hopped into my car. I get out. Of, I, I'm, I'm standing in this whatever, you know, 33 degrees, and I get in, and whatever it was, but it was, it was cold. Um, and it hasn't happened since. And, um, and so I did uh, just ask the Lord, is there something that you're saying here? Because sometimes you need to stop with those sorts of things that are, that are so unusual and I feel like the word is for, for you, for now. And it, the word is that, there's, that there's a, this is a time when God wants the environment in his church to be radically different to the environment outside the church, where God wants the environment inside his people to be radically different to the environment outside his people. Yeah, you see, uh, if I can say this in a prophetic word, the people of God still need toilet paper and still need cans of baked beans. What we don't need is the panic and the fear that is generating what's going on around about us. And so I believe that God really has, has a word for this church that it will be and that you will be and all ding it, you will be people who are people of a different, of different uh, temperature in the spirit carrying something different. When things seem to be crazy around, it will not be crazy in, but rather it will be God in, it will be spirit led in, a different environment in, and lean into that. When you suddenly sense you may be walking into situations and you know that there's tension here, and we need to have empathy. I'm not saying that with regards to others, in, like, aren't you crazy? But, but, there are people around us who don't have the revelation we have of a God who is good and a God we can lean on and look to in these times. And so when you're with these people and empathy that they, of why they are feeling the way they're feeling, but we are not to feel that same way or come under that same spirit, but under the spirit of God. Who receives that word this morning? So let's just... Father, I'm asking that today. I believe that's a word from the Spirit for these people and for this church. And Lord, I pray, God, that, that in the midst of whatever is happening and is going to happen, 
that the temperature of your people will be the temperature of heaven and not the temperature of the world around about us. In Jesus' name. Let it be a supernatural capacity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, fantastic. Well, on the 1st of January, my wife and I went to... It's so good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Just, just, there's something about just staying in a health retreat that makes you feel healthy. It's just a, st- it's a great start. Thank you so much. And uh, we love Martin, Karen, their family, and, and Jenny, and Brian, and the school, and it's just a blessing to be here. Um, so 1st of January... Uh, my wife and I went, we found a coffee shop. It wasn't easy to find one open, but there was. We found one and we sat down with our sort of notepads and our intention was to do that sort of first of the year, what's coming up God sort of thing. Um, now, I think probably most of you, or many of you, perhaps you've tried the New Year's resolution thing and it, it's not that successful, is it really? But I had looked up that day just um, just some some New Year's resolutions that people were making and... and um, Here's a couple of them. One was, this is, this is great because, you know, sometimes in life it's good to just lower the bar because then you can get over it. <laughs> have you ever found that in life? Some people love to raise the bar. Other people like to lower it. This resolution was to lose just enough weight so my gut doesn't jiggle when I brush my teeth. <laughs> yeah, that's called lowering the bar. But the, uh, somebody else said it was to exercise every day or at least briefly consider it. <laughs> Fair enough. And then this, this was good. It was going to be to quit all my bad habits, but then I remembered, no one likes a quitter. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we sat there and we didn't bother with New Year's resolutions. Instead, we asked this question, because New Year's resolutions can come and go, you know, and they, often they're not that enduring. But there's something that can be enduring, and it's asking the Lord... What's the theme you have for this year, for our lives? Um, and that's a great thing to do, you know. And, and, uh, and I, I felt I had a theme and I had a scripture. And so I'm going to, because I'm, 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 a, I'm a very giving, not a selfish person, I'm going to sh- let you have my scripture this morning. Hey, who, you, I'm, it's, I'm just going to offer it. I, it's mine, but I'm willing to share it this morning. And interestingly... Uh, rather than become less relevant as the days go by, as a New Year's resolution may do, it, it has become more relevant. And so it comes from Psalm 139, verse 5, and it's, it's from the, the Passion Translation, and more conventional translations talk about how God hems us in and before and behind and has his hand on us. But this, this is beautiful. I think it expands it uh, in a beautiful way, and I think it's consistent with the rest of Scripture. And this is what it says. I hope you can see this somehow, Odinga, or listen to me anyway. But this is Psalm 139, verse 5. It says, you've gone, you God, you've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. Powerful thought of God being in our future, our past, and our present. God, you have gone into your future to prepare a way for me. Lovely picture here of God who is outside of time already being in your future. Let's just say in your tomorrow, for instance. And he's preparing for you to walk into that future. Isn't that a lovely thought? 
that the God of all things, the creator of all things, is already there and he's making a way so that you get to walk in to the future that he's prepared. You know, I've learned in life I'm not smart enough to orchestrate my future. In fact, I have no capacity to orchestrate my future. But God can be in that future, setting up divine appointments, divine interventions, situations that he wants me to walk into, places he wants me to come into as an influencer. There's a passage in uh, Genesis chapter 24, verse 12. It talks here about Abraham getting to that time of life where, well, his son is getting to that time of life where he needs a wife. Isaac needs a wife. Abraham doesn't want him to marry one of the local girls. He wants him to marry a girl back from where Abraham came from, a long, long way away. So he sends his chief servant, his head servant, uh, with, loaded, with, with camels loaded with gifts. And he says, go off and find the wife for my son Isaac. Now, it's a classic needle in a haystack, isn't it? You know, you, this, this guy, he's got to get in the camels and he's got to go mile, hundreds of miles, kilometres. And, um, and somehow when he gets there, he's got to find the right girl. This is a situation you'd like some help, wouldn't you? Some divine help. You'd like to sort of think, well, God, could you go into the future and prepare the way? Because I need that right now. And in fact, this is what happens, and this is in uh, Genesis 24, verse 12. Uh, this, uh, this servant, he prays. This is a great prayer. Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I'll know that you have shown kindness to my master. God, would you grant me success today? This is a great prayer. Lord, tomorrow, this afternoon, next month, Whenever it is, God, would you go before me and prepare the way? Would you grant me success? The Hebrew word there is harah, and we'll come to that again. Would you grant me success today? And sure enough, the girls of the town come out, and he asks one of them, would you give me a drink of water? And she says, I'll give you a drink of water, and I'll water your camels, which is pretty extraordinary because camels tend to be pretty thirsty. Yes, thirsty camel is all over Adelaide. And uh, um, for, for a reason, because it's a symbol of animals that want to drink a lot. Uh, well, that's a pretty generous girl, isn't it? Anyway, it turns out to be, this is Rebecca. Um, he says, would you come back and marry Isaac? She says, yes. And they arrive back at uh, where Abraham's place. Isaac sees Rebecca, their eyes meet, they fall in love. It's a beautiful story. But God made the way. You know the story of Ruth, another wonderful story in the Bible. Here she is, a Moabite. Family comes from Israel. She marries one of the sons. The son dies, the brother-in-law dies, the father-in-law dies. The mother-in-law says, I'm going back to Israel. She says, I'm coming with you. They turn up, they're destitute, they have nothing. Mother-in-law says, why don't you go off to the fields and 
harvest the bits that are left over from by the harvesters. And you know what it says? This is Ruth chapter two, verse three. It says so she went out into the field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. As it turned out, mm, Hebrew word is karah. It just so happens. What a coincidence. What a nice, happy thing. Or God was at work. And God went into the future and made a way. And it so happens that it's the right field where Boaz owns the field and they end up falling in love and she ends up being a part of God's uh, plan, redemptive plan of humanity. Hmm. Wow. This won't be on the screen because I wasn't going to use it this morning, but this is uh, for those Bible students here. This is a, a word study. Hurrah. And so we go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 1. And it says this. In some ways, this is one of the most discouraging scriptures in the Bible. Because it says, if I can find it. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. Well, let's all give up. But time and chance happen to them all. Time and chance is the Hebrew word charah. Mm. I believe it's saying this, and this word is inter- can be interpreted like this. There are things that would seem to be a coincidence. Because you know that some, what it says is actually true. It's not necessarily the smartest person who, uh, who ends up ahead in life. It's not necessarily the wise. You know, you can have all those things and it's good to pursue those things. But just sometimes it happens to be the right person in the right place at the right time. You know that. But here's what the scripture is saying in this word, if we look it through. Sometimes it can seem like a coincidence. Sometimes it can seem like an accident. But for the people of God, whose trust is in him, and we are daily looking to him, and that is our prayer on a regular basis, God, make me successful today. He wants to go into your future. And what may look like an accident in other circumstances, what may look like a coincidence somebody else, is actually God at work in your life, working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. Anybody have faith to believe in God who wants to do that in your life? Yeah. Hallelujah. Anybody ready to say, God, God, I want you to go into my future, into my tomorrow. Every day, this is a great prayer to pray. I've just made this my daily prayer. God, would you make me successful today? God, you know the future in ways that I don't know. And would you guide me and lead me? Let me be led by your Holy Spirit today in such a way that, Lord, I'm just walking in that path of your plan in Jesus' name. Anyone for it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Aldinger, how you doing there? Are you with me? I, uh, I carry, I got a yes there. It's coming back, people. It's beautiful. This is a two-way thing happening. I love it. And I, I have a, wear a few different hats, um, lead some different uh, organizations, and, and one of them is the Hillsong Bible College in the city of Brisbane, and they have a campus there, and 
I'm the head of that campus. Towards the end of last year, I felt that um, that the Lord encouraged me to change my the, the time commitment in that place, um, and to to so I with the uh, approval. In fact, when I spoke to the oversight, they said, "Absolutely, you do it." and and so um, I maintained the leadership, the oversight, but I took myself off the lecturing schedule, which freed up quite a bit of time in my week. Um, so I'm, I'm sensing I need to do that. And then I, I did that over the Christmas break. So by early January, I'd written the timetable, which, which freed me up. And, uh, and another group that I love to help and support is Alpha. And I understand that this church is doing Alpha... And it's awesome. If you don't know about it, get into it, understand it, help any way you can. It's just a brilliant, uh, you know, this, um, this sort of like eight-week experience. I'm not sure how long you're doing. It's typically about that, which just enables people to come in a beautiful way to explore faith in a non-threatening, non-judgmental environment, a community of faith. And, uh, you know, about, um, well, we, we estimate last year, we got to the point where the number of people who've done Alpha in Australia was got to half a million. This is something amazing. There's just a grace on it. And we're, so we're heading to a million. It took 20 years to get to a half million. We're believing we're going to get to a million in five years and just really be a part of what God is doing. It's just something to support the church in this nation. And the, uh, the leader of, of Alpha in the Nation is a lady called Melinda Dwight, and she's amazing. She's, uh, she's been so much a part of that move. Um, and I get a call from Melinda in the middle of January, and she says, um, sadly, I've been found to have a brain tumour um, uh, and I need, to, need an operation, and I need to be out of action for several months. Could you step in to lead Alpha? Yes, I can. Why? Because I've just freed some time. How come? Because God had gone into my future and he was setting things out. Now, the great news is Melinda's had the operation. It was benign and, and she's doing incredibly well. Um, and we thank the Lord for that. And, and so it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, but it's just God, make my life successful today, this week, this month. By successful, we mean set things up. So my life just is, is on the path that you have in Jesus' name. Anybody keen? I know you are. I know you are. And then God follows behind to spare you from the harm of your past. Well, that's a bit strange. Isn't it, isn't it too late? I mean, it's the harm of the past. What's the point of that? I needed the protection or the help of the, that back there. I think everybody probably would understand that there are harms of the past that are gone and forgotten. End of story. And the harms of the past that have a way of reaching into our present and touching. Mm. Just, uh, it's a big topic and I don't want to uh, unnecessarily oversimplify it, but let's go, with, go there a little bit this morning. And so there are harms of the past, and I'm, let's call them harms that shatter. Those harms that just seem to be so destructive in lives, often caused by somebody, somebody doing something, often could be an injustice, and it causes great, um, great pain in our lives. I've just been reading this week a, a book called The Choice by Edith Eager, who was... Um, 
a 15-year-old girl in Hungary at the beginning or partway through World War II ended up being sent, Jewish girl, sent to a, a, a Jewish concentration camp, Auschwitz, uh, and she now writes this book called The Choice, and she quite euphemistically called this whole episode in her life when she sent there an interruption. It certainly was an interruption. As uh, on the Liberation Day, she if, if, if it had been one day later, she would have been dead, but she's amongst a, a pile of bodies that had, the rest of them had probably died, but her and her sister were just alive, and she's rescued. Um, and years later, she writes this book, An Interruption. That's an interruption. Maybe none of us have experienced, I'm sure we haven't experienced an interruption to that extent, that much harm, that much pain, that much trauma, but I'm sure there are stories here of significant harm. The harm that shatters. How can God protect us from the harm that shatters? He does it by giving us the grace to forgive. It's not easy. It's not easy. But he did it when he hung on the cross. And if there was ever an injustice, an interruption, if ever there was one, this was the one because he was pure son of God, the innocent one. And he's hanging on a cross and he looks down and those who are doing this to him, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is not an easy thing and I know this is such a basic teaching, Christian teaching. The challenge isn't knowing about it, it's doing it. And sometimes, and perhaps this is why I've been led to speak about this this morning, sometimes we feel like we have done it and then that harm of the past, something triggers it and we suddenly sense it again rising, its influence. And sometimes God takes us in a deeper cycle of forgiveness and we have to come once again. Sometimes to name those people before the Lord. Lord, I'm forgiving again. I'm placing it before you. I'm letting go of the need for revenge. I'm letting go of the need to punish. And in doing so, I'm setting myself free from the prison of the past. Edith Eger wrote this in her book. You can live to revenge the past, or you can live to enrich the present. You can live in the prison of the past, or you can let the past be the springboard that helps you reach the life you want now. Mm. Another harm is the harm that we actually bring on ourselves. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. And in this case, it's the harm that could be described not as the shattering, but the harm characterised by shame. And we feel the shame of what we have done. And here again we need forgiveness this time. It's the forgiveness of the Lord. We bring come in repentance. And it's the forgiveness of self. And the letting go of the need to punish self. And uh, we'll pray a little bit later on. But perhaps there's a word here for somebody this morning that there's a, a tendency to keep punishing self. How could I have been so stupid? How could I let that happen? But God is calling us not to live in the past, but to live in the present and to look to his future and to let go of that need to punish others and self.
Because if we'll do that, we'll find that the harms of those the past, those harms that could be characterised as shattering, those that could be categorised by shame, will now be ca characterised by shaping. And here's what Romans says, and this is out of Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Can I just pause there and say we don't look for sufferings, we're not asking for sufferings. The concept of glory in suffering means we place value on them. The glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Ah, thank you, God. Hallelujah. He protects us. He spares us from the harm of the past by what he has done through Calvary, and now we can let go of the, what, we hold, what we otherwise may hold on to, unforgiveness and so on, of others and self, and allow the shaping to happen in our life for his glory. Yeah. Amen. In the good. I love that God is described often in the Psalms as the one who lifts our head. Mm. Psalm 3, verse 3. You, Lord, you're a shield around me, and you my, the lifter of my head. And God wants to lift some heads, even some heads this morning. Some of you who, again, are sensing shame. Let me say, it's, it's not an uncommon experience. In fact, it's quite a common one amongst the people of God. Perhaps sometimes because we now, because our hearts are now alive to God, we become more aware of when we're off track. And yet we're not meant to live under the bondage of shame. Romans 8 once says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, no condemnation. And this morning, nobody is meant to walk out of those doors carrying that load of shame. But rather, it's okay to be shaped. And, and shaping, these things do shape us. And, uh, and God can use them for our good. But uh, he wants us to be, he wants to be the lifter of our heads. Woo! Yeah. Harms can either block, be blockages to our growth or stepping stones to our destiny. And that's the truth. Yeah, Psalm 37 talks about how God loves those who delight in him. Though they fall down, though they, they, they're not cast down, but God upholds them with his hand. And that's what he wants to do this morning and continually in our lives. In New Zealand... There's a track called the Milford Track. Anybody ever heard of it? It's a fame, world-famous track, and uh, one person in Adelaide has heard of the Milford Track. I'm not surprised. Oh, there's a few more. Okay, okay. Has anybody walked the Milford Track, incidentally? Okay. So um, the Milford Track goes from Lake Tiana. It's in the sort of southeast bottom corner, magnificent part of the world, uh, beautiful, beautiful place, um, almost as nice as the Adelaide Hills, just about, almost. Uh, but you walk from Lake Tiana, and you, you well, no, you get a, a, a boat across the lake, and then the, the launching part, and you walk for th for uh, three nights, four days, three nights, up over a pass to Milford Sound. Uh, and you, now it's a very popular walk. You've got to book in. You've got to pay to do the walk. Uh, there's two ways you can do this walk. 
Okay, the first way is that you, it's called the independent way. And when you do this, this way, you must carry everything that you're going to need, all of your sleeping gear, all of your rain protection gear, all of your food, absolutely everything. And, uh, and then you stay in these huts um, that are built by the Department of Conservation, these very basic huts you've got to carry. If you create rubbish, you carry it with you. And that's how you, you go through and the, you stay in these, these bunk houses. And um, so we may have up on the screen a picture of one of these Department of Conservation huts. There we go. That's one of these huts. And we have the, the, the bunkhouse where you stay. Um, and the, the, there we go. There's, there's the, the bunkhouse. So that's, this is the independent way. Um, and um, there's another way. It's called the guided way. And the guided way, um, you pay a lot more money to go the guided way, but uh, you get to stay in the lodges. I think I've got a picture of a lodge. And, and you sleep in a bedroom. And they make the food for you. Now, a number of years ago, a couple said to my wife and I, would you like to walk the Milford Track? And we said, yes, okay, we'll do that. We didn't know much about it, and we didn't know, we weren't really hikers. Um, now, it turned out that this couple were the kind that in their holidays loved climbing around the Himalayas. That kind of, those kinds of people. Where are those people? Yeah, one. Okay, you, <laughs> we'll pray for you later. Because, um, yeah, so we didn't even know about the guy to wait. And, uh, and we went off and we, um, we got these backpacks and we, we got all the sleeping gear and all the rain gear and we got all the food. And when you say food, it's a euphemism. You go to these camping shops and they, you buy these packets of stuff that's dehydrated meals. So, and on the cover, we have the picture of the meal that they claim they have dehydrated. There's a roast, roast meat potatoes meal and then you add boiling water and then the next packet it'll be like apple pie and you add boiling water and I can promise you it's a con they all just taste exactly the same and it's like just mush it's horrible mush by your third fourth day on the Milford track you don't ever want to see a dehydrated packet of food the rest of your life it's disgusting. So I want you to imagine what perhaps was one of the saddest days of my entire life was the day we, we get taken across Lake Tianao and we're dropped off and we start walking along the track. Now here's the cruel thing. On the first day, as you're heading towards your independent hut and your dehydrated meal, you walk past the first lodge. Looking across, what is that? <laughs> it's a lodge for the guided people. Why aren't we doing that? There's smoke out of the chimney. You can sort of see the large chair that somebody's sitting in through the window as they're drinking their hot chocolate by the fireplace. The guided people, the, the guides go ahead of them every day 
and prepare the morning tea station with their scones and their coffee and then the lunch station and the afternoon station and they carry everything they need if they need rain jackets. They got them ready for them on the way. And they come behind them and, and pick up all their rubbish and carry the rubbish out. <laughs> I'll tell you, it really, I think I need healing. <laughs> I really think I'm needing healing. Jane and I have got two different stories, but slightly different stories on this. But my story is that she couldn't carry most of the weight of her backpack. It's in my backpack. I'm carrying hers and mine, pretty much. And I, by, the, by about halfway through, my back is in spasms of pain and agony. Yeah, you, you know, um, you can do life the independent way or the guided way. Yeah. You know, you can say, I'm doing it my way. My future, my choices. I'll deal with the pain. I'm just going to make it through. I'll carry the load. Or you can say, God, I want you to go into my future and prepare the way. I want you to carry the load of the mess of the past. It's our choice. If you... Are here this morning and you have never made a decision to make Jesus your Lord? The choice is yours today. He offers you to be his guide, to be your guide, to be your Lord, to be your God. But it takes giving up my way and saying, God, I don't want my way anymore. I've had enough of that way. I want to walk in your way. It's not that it makes everything amazing and perfect. They as people still had to walk over the past, whatever they had to do, but it means he is with you and it makes all the difference. Even if you know the Lord, I've lived long enough with the Lord to know it's possible to start living independent and a need to come back and say, I'm sorry, Lord, again, I want to lean in to hear your spirit, to be led by your spirit. I want that daily prayer, God, make my way successful today. God, give me the divine appointments today. Open my eyes to see the world and my life and what's happening the way you're seeing it. Open my ears to hear your voice guiding and leading me and give me the courage to continue to walk in that way and to take up those opportunities that are there. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And let me just say, one of those opportunities might be one day just to say to somebody, hey, we're running a course that um, helps people explore faith and life from a Christian perspective. It's called Alpha. Would you come with me? You'd be amazed. You know that uh, surveys done by McCrindle um, Institute have found that around about at least a quarter of Australians would probably say yes to an invitation like that from somebody that they trust. Hmm. You may get a knockback, but hey, you could also change somebody's destiny. There we go. That's just a little plug on the way. On the way. And finally, with your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. Here we are. What a beautiful psalm. God, help us to live a life in a way that you're going to, you're going to guide us. You're going to be in our future. You're protecting us, sparing us from the harm of the past 
and I'm living with your hand of blessing on me right now in Jesus' name. If you want in on that, I'd love to pray for you because I want in on that in Jesus' name. So would you stand together perhaps and Aldinga, would you join us too there? Perhaps to stand and open our hearts to God and those of you this morning who are saying, yeah, God, I want to live with that in my life. And I know that many of you live that way already, but this morning we're perhaps just representing ourselves before God and saying, God, that, let that be my life, my experience. Lord, don't let me live, live that independent way, but with you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I want you like never before to be my God, to be my guide, to be my Lord. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for these wonderful people gathered here and down in Aldinga today. And oh Lord, as we're just again this morning bringing our lives before you, particularly anybody who's never done this before, and today you know this is the day I need to say, God, I'm giving up the independent life and I'm living for you. Lord, that today you will come into their lives in a powerful, mighty way. Become Lord of their lives in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. But for all of us this morning, oh God, Lord, we're asking for those that preparation of the future. Lord, that you would go into our future to prepare the way, and we know that you want to do that, and you are doing that, but God, allow us to be those who would walk into that future because our ears are open to what your Spirit is saying. Lord, because day by day we're committing our way to you. We're walking in that path, and we have the courage, your God, to do the things you're calling us to do, go to the places you're calling us to go, speak the words that you're giving us to speak in Jesus' name. And Lord, for those, and perhaps for us all, Lord, there are those sins from the past. And God, they can be things that continue to shatter, continue to bring shame or shape. Lord, today, oh God, Lord, grant us the grace if we need to forgive again, if we need to forgive for the first time, if we need to forgive at a deeper level. Lord, you've done it, and you were the one who was the perfect son. And yet you forgave that incredible injustice. Lord, would you grant us, even at this moment, if there's just something, and folks, you may be just feeling a tug in your spirit right now, and you know there's that situation, that person, that group. And again today, you just need to say, Lord, I forgive. Just in that privacy of your heart, why don't you do that? And then those who you know today the sense of shame. You're feeling it. Today, look to the Father. Lord, I, I, I repent of that. Perhaps that's the thing to do for the first time or again if you need to do it, but here's what you need to say. And I receive your forgiveness. And I receive my forgiveness of myself. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. Yeah. Some people here right now, you just need to say to yourself again, just in the privacy of your own heart, I'm letting the shame go. And I encourage you even to physically just to lift up your head and sense God doing that to you. Just lifting up your head, knowing that you are clean before him, that he loves you. He is for you. Hallelujah. Oh, you can look into the face of a father who's smiling over you and delighting over you. And when that temptation comes to say, but, but 
that thing, but what I did, but understand you are cleansed this morning. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, let the, those things now only leave a shaping, a shaping which is healthy, a shaping which brings us to be more like Jesus. And Lord, I'm praying today for your hand of blessing on our lives right now. Right now. Thank you, Lord. Your blessing. Oh, yeah, that, that sense that your presence in every heart and every life. Yeah, like we're living under the cloud of heaven, being guided and led right now. The presence of God is doing a work in hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're so good to us. In Jesus' mighty name, pray for your blessing on this house, on Harvest Church. And Marty and Karen and the leadership here on Aldinga. Lord, your blessing on this, on this college as well. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, for this, this group as a community, as a community of faith, and now just not as individuals, but as a community, we believe you've gone into the future to make the way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you're sparing us from the harm of the past and that your blessing is here right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Give him praise. Yeah.